The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. And welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Pastor John Kane. Today with us on the program, we have uh, Reverend James Wellmer. Uh, he's the uh, senior pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Plano, Texas. And James has got uh, experience with planting churches. Welcome to the program, James. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about the history of uh, Faith Lutheran Church and and starting other churches. Yeah, so Plano, Texas is kind of a suburb of North Dallas. And so, especially in the 90s, 80s and 90s, uh, the growth in this area just expanded. I think Faith Plano really didn't want to be a big mega church. They saw the need to start other churches. So uh, in the 90s, uh, Faith Plano started two churches, uh, one uh, Emmanuel Lutheran in um, Allen, Texas, which was north of us. We had uh, a core group of people that lived in that area, and we had an associate pastor that had uh, had the, the time and the availability to start a church. And so that was the first one. Uh, that was started. Uh, and, and all this, by the way, is purely by God's grace, uh, not by anything we do, but God works through us all to his glory, right? The second one was uh, around 2000 and in Flower Mound. Um, and that got going, but unfortunately, for various reasons, uh, it, it closed in 2004. The third and the fourth one I was particularly involved in, the third one was east of us in Wiley. At that time, it was, we were called one church in two locations. So we shared the common budget, the bulletin, we uh, rotated in pastors. Uh, we helped um, the church in Wiley to get a building built, a, a sanctuary built. And the partnership that we had uh, was uh, it, it did well for for quite a few years as time went on we noticed that it would be good for them they were also called faith uh, for them to be on their own and so they actually were chartered in 2020 but that whole process uh, i was involved in in uh, working with the leadership uh visiting prospects uh, getting things going and they're um doing uh, doing well the fourth one there then was uh, in Frisco, St. John in Frisco. I was particularly involved in this one too as, as well. First worship service was in 2015, and then they were chartered and called their pastor in 2016. And the same situation, we had a core group of members living in the Frisco area, and we had a, uh, an associate pastor that was able to give of his time and his energy to plant a church. And so they started out in a, a hotel meeting room. And um, to this day, they have got rental property. 
and they're doing they're doing uh, well. They're doing very well also, and praise God for that. So in those three out of the four churches, uh, someone says, oh, <laughs> three out of four, you're not doing too bad, right? Uh, they all have their own pastor and their own congregation, and there is a church in that community that reaches out in the community with a gospel, and praise God for that. And I have learned that you plant a church in the area, and uh, people in the community will, will, will respond, and they'll visit. Hey, there's a new church here, new building. Uh, let's check it out. And so it is a great blessing to have the opportunity to plant a church, see the gospel bear fruit, ears that hear and receive the gospel. And so that's kind of a short little history of uh, faith within church in Plano, planting churches purely by, by God's grace. So four daughter congregations, um, that's, that is uh, quite remarkable. So when you have uh, population trends, you have demographics, you see uh, uh, a need for a community to have another congregation, and it's good not only for the people, but also for the community to have the stability and uh, to have the good news of the gospel preached there. Why is it beneficial to do it this way, to have uh, a mother congregation that kind of uh, leads the way? Yeah, we call it a mother-daughter uh, situation. You know, there are other um, there are other ways of planning a church, but in our situation, I can speak at least for a from a mother-daughter situation. You know, it's just like a family, right? Uh, you have you have a, a father, mother, and they uh, they have children. They love their children. They take care of their children. And then their children are off and get married and start their own families, right? And so also when we have started a daughter congregation, the mother church has a love and care for the church plant and uh, supported the, the new church plant financially and with resources and with a pastor and, and all those things. So there is a special relationship there. In um, at Faith in Plano, the people are asking, "How is it going? How are they doing?" You know, there's prayers for the new daughter congregation, and really, it's a joy to see a new church in a community be planted and grow and thrive and and be a blessing to that area because of the gospel that's being taught and preached. So there's a a special special relationship uh, there. And if the daughter congregation needs a little help or guidance, you know, you got the mother church there that, that can support. Again, there are other different scenarios, other different ways, but this was the, um, the, the, the pattern that, that we used uh, in our situation. Well, I think from financial support and uh, logistics and uh, staffing support, any of those things that you do would, would increase the likelihood of success. How about having a core group of, of uh, congregation members, uh, either from the side of the uh, mother church or the daughter church? How, how does that work? Yeah, we have found that that is crucial. It sets a foundation of stability for the new church plant. So in our situation, in all of these, we had anywhere from six to 12 family units in a certain area. And they, the core group had a common mission and vision. Um, they, they, uh, 
were temporary leaders. So, for example, uh, there would be a president and an elder. You know, he uh, uh, he would be both. There would be a, a treasurer that received the offerings and paid the expenses. There would be the altar guild. You know, set up the altar, uh, set up things for communion, get the pulpit ready. Uh, there would be a an usher to pass out bulletins, to greet people. The core group provided a stability and leadership. And, and so as a, a pastor, we just came in and uh, did our stuff on Sunday morning. I would make also a lot of visits on prospects. It was a joy to see, you know, you have a, a prospective visitor and the whole core group just gathers, kind of overwhelms the visitors almost, you know, and just welcomes them. And there, you just see a lot of joy and a lot of excitement in all this. And it was just a, 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 a blessing to see. So, um, again, they, they provided a stability, a mission, a vision. They all worked together. It was beautiful to see. Uh, they, they prayed for the new mission. They were a backbone of the new church plant. They provided a harmony amongst the members, and they 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 cared about the new church plant. I mean, they really did. They you could just see it in their their energy and their excitement, and they were involved in the community and getting the word out and the neighbors and others. And so we have seen that a, a core group has been a, a great blessing to in 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 the process of starting a new church. So our denomination is known for planting a lot of churches and keeping, oftentimes keeping the ratio of pastor to congregation members small so that we can really develop those, those relationships. So megachurches are kind of something that we've, I think, hasn't been as much a part of our, our DNA. And so this, uh, this idea of stepping out a certain number of miles to another community, to another uh, gathering of believers is uh, where our niche is. And we, we do have a lot of success in, in doing that. So you've talked about the importance of the congregational member side and their excitement and their uh, plugging into different duties or responsibilities to uh, to see this grow and and their natural excitement in inviting inviting others that uh, that is something that we always uh, enjoy seeing and celebrating that that joy in in finding community so let's flip over to the other side, the, the staffing side then. What's, what's the importance of, of the pastor in this? Yeah, before I answer your question about staffing, I do want to um, add also something to the previous question, and you kind of alluded to it too as well. Um, so for us, it was better for us to plant a church in the north, the west, and the east. And those communities, those churches in those communities uh, were better served by one pastor in that community. And I know uh, a large congregation has its advantages and disadvantages, to be sure. Um, but I have learned that when you plant a church in a neighboring community, it, that new church plant serves that community better than really than the mother church can. Um, I mean, I'm a senior pastor and there's a lot of work to do, but it's really important for the pastor to make visits, visit people, get out in the community as well as the people. So 
to, uh, again, piggyback off the previous question, uh, amen to what you just said. Uh, I think a community is better served when there is a church there in that various community. Now, as far as staffing is, 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 is goes, um, there are different ways of starting a, a church plant. Uh, there's a scenario of starting a, a Bible study in the area and, th- and this and that. What we did is we took that core group and we started a worship service, boom, from day one. So day one was a worship service. We also had Bible study, all right? And so we had Bible study before or after church. And we also had uh, gatherings in, in the mid, midweek. We would have a Bible study in, in someone's home. And so that that's, uh, that, that's kind of uh, what took place during the week. There's something about a, a pastor who's been ordained and uh, that is, is, is preaching the word of God in not only uh, preaching law, which shows us our sin, but also gospel, um, not only talking about sin, but also God's grace in Christ Jesus. And so the pastor adds a kind of a shepherd type of approach to the hearers, to the people. Um, he's, he also provides that, that ability to, to baptize and to consecrate the Lord's Supper and to serve the Lord's Supper to God's people. So there are different scenarios to be sure. In our situation, I can only speak for it. We had a, an associate pastor that had the time and the ability to do that. And it, again, it provided a, um, uh, a shepherd type of characteristic to the pastor caring for the people, visiting the people, the pastor in his preaching, in, uh, in his baptizing, and in the absolution, in the uh, administration of, of the, Lord's, uh, the Lord's Supper. Now, uh, a pastor serving a new church plant has to have certain talents in order to lead and guide the new church plant. Uh, I, I think visitation is crucially important. Uh, even when this new church plant, by the way, uh, calls a pastor, it would be good that he has the, the, the ability and the willingness to make visits. I cannot overemphasize. I, I, I was into a lot of people's homes and I taught them in the home. Uh, a, a father and mother with little children that perhaps maybe not were, were not able to come to to a Bible study, uh, say and 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 say even in the midweek. But uh, in, in the Lutheran faith, I taught them, and then they were able to join us at, at the altar with the Lord's Supper. But that also provided a a relationship between pastor and people. And we had some lay people step up to the plate too as well in midweek uh, situations. No problem with that. Uh, on Sunday morning, the pastor had uh, the, 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 the church service and then also led the Bible study afterwards and, and made visits. So uh, again, we, the pastor, either the, the, plant, the one that plants the church or even the one that they call does need to have various talents and abilities in that area uh, in terms of outreach and visitation. 
So when you talk about those uh, skills and talents, the uh, our district uh, of, of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has various resources and training for church planters to help them be successful. And they, they look at uh, those skills and talents and hone those and uh, encourage people. So what would be a process, uh, you think, if, if somebody is, is living in uh, a town that's not currently served and they would like to be served by a congregation, you know, who, who would they reach out to? Yeah, so in our situation, it was a associate pastor, you know, uh, helping out with a core group. You could also have, uh, you could have a retired pastor if there's a retired pastor in the area. Uh, when I during my seminary days, I helped a congregation in Florida kind of get off the ground, and it was a retired pastor in the area that started this congregation. And then as a seminarian, I uh, was kind of a summer vicar, if you will. And I, um, I called upon the people in the area. I went door to door and I asked, uh, do you have a church home? They said, yeah, we are members of, oh, praise God, you know. But I was in the community and um, asked you, do you have a church home? No, we don't, we just moved here. Well, hey, here's, uh, here's our church, uh, Shepherd of the Coast. And, and you, you're, you're invited to come to church on Sunday. So you could have a retired pastor, you could have a, a, a vicar, uh, you could have, there are also a scenario I'm aware of, uh, also here in Texas, where a circuit has come together, where four pastors rotate on a Sunday morning, preaching at, a, at the new church plant. And so there are different scenarios that, that, that do take place uh, as, as well. Targeting back to the uh, the old days, you know, pioneer days, or the circuit rider who would come by horseback and would cover various churches on various Sundays. What what are some other uh, things that um, uh, items which a new church a church plant might might need to know? Yeah, so when worship space, and there are various places that a new church plant could use. So, for example. Um, a preschool building, they operate Monday through Friday. So when we started a church in Wiley, we used a preschool. It was wonderful. You know, you had a bathrooms, you had a kitchen. So that's one option. Uh, another one would be a hotel meeting room. Uh, and in both of those scenarios, we had to bring in uh, the worship supplies and, and all of that. Um, so we had a kind of a, a trailer that carried all of the worship supplies and stuff. And so, uh, the, the lay people would, would get that all set up. Uh, another place would be an elementary cafeteria and some elementaries, they will say, you have to have like a, a minimum of 50 people worshiping or X amount of people worshiping. And you have to have, uh, out of the 50 uh, a certain percentage of people that have to live in the area. So uh, there are, yeah, uh, an elementary cafeteria. So there, those are different places. Another one is the Seventh-day Adventist. They obviously don't worship on, on Sunday, right? And so that's another opportunity for a new church plant to use as a facility. I think also uh, a library sometimes may uh, lend out area. I think 
when we were in Florida, it was the local nursing home had a, uh, a place to use. So for a new church plant, those are the different uh, spaces that one could use. As far as funding, uh, there is the mother congregation. There is the district provides funding. There is the, um, in our situation, the synod, the, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod provides funding. You also have different congregations, perhaps in the circuit or in the area that would financially support the new church plant. And then you have individuals that would also well, want to see this new church plant going and they would help financially. And also there are some foundations also that uh, would help a church plant. So, you know, I've learned that God provides, God provides. And in uh, some of these church plants that Faith Plano had, the only expense that we had was supply a pastor and the bulletins on Sunday morning. But God, God provides, and it's, it's amazing to see how God opens hearts and doors and resources for, for a new church to, 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 to start up. It's, it's exciting to see. We'll come back to uh, Jim in just a moment. Uh, I'd like to point our listeners to our uh, website, ELM Houston, stands for Evangelical Life Ministries. If you go to our website, elmhouston.org, you can uh, visit us there. You can also find shortcuts through our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube accounts. You can also donate to our work from that page. On our uh, Facebook page, you'll also find podcasts of our past programming. All of your on-the-air hosts are volunteers, so you know that your donations go far to help us purchase radio airtime. We strive to have a wide variety of interviews with people who are creatively working to share the good news of Jesus Christ at that intersection where faith meets life. You may write us at ELM Houston, PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. Now back to our guest, Jim, we've got about uh, one or two minutes. So uh, we've been talking about congregations and, and really this is not a building, it's the people. The people and the pastor gathered around the word of God and communities quite often open their doors and their arms to, uh, to people in this situation because churches are good for people and churches are good for communities. What else would you share with our, our people as we wrap up? Yeah, on that note, uh, a mission start needs, uh, say, an altar or candles and a cross and communion wear and hymnals, a pulpit stand, a keyboard to play music. And on that note, uh, area congregations, area churches will just supply the new church plant with, with things like that. Uh, advertising is important. The local newspaper, Facebook, a locator page anything to get the word out. It's good for the new church plant to be involved in the community on a, say, a a bazaar or a fair or whatever it might be. Um, God wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth through saving faith in Christ. And God, God will bless. And, and, and it's a joy to see a people gathered around the word of God to hear and to believe in Christ as our savior and to receive that precious gospel God will provide, and I've seen it, and praise God to him. It's his, he, he provides the growth. He, he leads and guides the mission. We are only servants of that. And we rejoice in the people he brings uh, for them to receive that precious gospel and believe in Christ as their savior. 
you know, coming off of COVID, it seems like, uh, you know, people who are locked down and so much, so many aspects of, of community and, and shared uh, time with, with people face to face had, uh, had been hurt. And so now we're seeing people come back and we have the added bonus of, of telling them the good news of the, uh, the gospel of Jesus, that our sins are forgiven by God because of uh, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He earned our forgiveness for us. So we've we've got the best message in the world, and uh, having the opportunity to share that in new communities is a, is a great, great blessing. Well, thank you, Jim, for being with us today, and I invite our listeners to join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org, or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.